Greetings in Jesus' name to everyone here this morning. Glad to see some many regulars here. Glad to see a good number of visitors here. Welcome. We're glad to see you here. I do want to acknowledge, I do realize I have a cold, and it was very bad several days ago. And I almost succumbed to the temptation of asking somebody else to preach. But uh, as it got somewhat better, um, I thought maybe the, I could handle this. I'm not real sure where. Well, just uh, hope it works out. I have preached with a bad cold before, so I'm kind of used to it. <clears throat> well, a good number of months ago, we started a series. You probably already forgot it by now, so that's okay. On kingdom principles. Does that ring any bells? <laughs> well, the first one was on obedience. The second one, uh, and I combined these two, was on doeth righteousness and does not practice sin. And we like to look at the fourth one, kingdom principles, things that are done by the children of God in the kingdom of God. 1 John 2, verses 15 to 17. 1 John 2, 15 to 17 says, Do not love the world or the things in the world. If any man loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. For all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, the pride of life is not of the Father, but is of the world. And the world is passed away, and the lust of it, but he who does the will of God abides forever. <clears throat> the title of the message is Love Not the World. <clears throat> and uh, it's interesting to note how God looks at this. Uh, it's, I, don't, I don't hear very much about this anymore in Anabaptist circles, but it's nice to look at what the heart of God is because he cares about this. And I hope that also you can feel the heart and the burden of your humble servant. I do believe that most American Christians struggle with worldliness, and I am one. I'll acknowledge that. I am one. And uh, so... Uh, here we can sit there and say, you know, well, I love the world. What is that? Sounds pretty negative to me. Mark 12. I'm going to have a lot of scripture. You'll have to look them up. But the bigger ones, I'd like you to. But listen closely. Mark 12, 29 and 31. And Jesus said unto them, the first of all the commandments is, Hear, O Israel, the Lord thy God is one Lord. Thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, with all thy soul, with all thy mind, and with all thy strength. This is the first commandment. And the second is, like, namely this, thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. There is none other commandment greater than this. So, you know, when you think about uh, not to love the world, it is very plain in Scripture that God is not saying everything the world throws at you, just, uh, just you do something completely different. Actually, he's saying, look, you love me. As a Christian and part of the kingdom of God, you love me. Your allegiance is to me. You're following me in every aspect of life. You love God. You want to worship him. You want to please him. And it's out of a heart of allegiance and love and gratitude and respect to him you're, that is driving every force, every decision in your life. And friends, well, I think if we get the message, it is that on that focus, and that's very positive, 
this message is very positive, okay? Because it is positive to love the Lord, amen? It is positive to love the Lord. And when we do that, the, the attractions of the world have, are, are lessened, okay? I'll just be honest with you. They're real. They're still there, but they're not like, oh, that's where my heart's at. My heart is not there. My heart is to follow Jesus. And I think it's tremendously important we remember that, that our love and allegiance for Jesus, if we have that in proper perspective, the allurements of the world are vastly dimmed and become much less appealing. So how did Jesus expect us to get along with the world? Some verses that speak strongly to me. John 15, 19 says, If you were of the world, the world would love his own. But because you are not of the world, but I have chosen you out of the world, therefore the world hateth you. I think about that and it makes me ponder. Is that the way the world looks at us, at me? That they, they say, wow, something's weird. Something's so different. And I don't know about this hating us, but because so much of the time, I'm tempted to be loved by the world. That's a temptation I have. Who of us likes to be thought of as an oddball? Who likes that? Well, there's a group that's going to be thought that way. But it's hard to choose that. It's hard to choose that. But if I understand what God is saying, he said, look, he's not talking about the people of the world. I'm going to take you out of the people of the world, but the evil that is in the world. And there's plenty of that in the allurements that come. No wonder Paul said in 2 Corinthians 6, 16 to 18, and what agreement hath the temple of God with idols? For ye are the temple of the living God. As God has said, I will dwell in them and walk in them, and I will be their God, and they shall be my people. And we love that. God is our God. And he chose, we've chose him. And he said, I'm going to walk with them. I'm going to dwell with them. But he said, there's going to be something that happens from that relationship. That wherefore come out from among them and be separate, saith the Lord, and touch not the unclean thing. And I will receive you and will be a father unto you. And you shall be my sons and daughters, saith the Lord Almighty. Well, this coming out is a challenge. <clears throat> I don't know how much you like coming out, but the God says, if I'm going to walk with you, you've got to walk with me and you will be out. You will come out. You will not, you will not have the same mentality. Chosen, God's chosen people, they love following him. And they're separate from worldly allurements and enticements. They don't give in to this. It's so easy to be acculturated. You know what that means? It is so easy to be acculturated. In fact, I find it very challenging not to be adapting to the world's things. Uh, coming out is a mentality because the desires are heavenly of this person and it, it makes for a radical difference in lifestyle. So I'd like to look at a few, several, of the world's allurements. And let's think seriously. 
how this comes down to me, how it comes down to me. That is, you know, I hope we can get the heart of God in this message. I'll speak to one that, for the men first, but it's not solely the men, the pull of politics. <clears throat> John 18, 36 says, and Jesus answered, my kingdom is not of this world. If my kingdom were of this world, then would my servants fight that I should not be delivered to the Jews, but now my kingdom is not from hence. And I praise God. We know that that is very true. There's a very clear distinction between the kingdom of God and the kingdom of this world. We don't go to war. We're non-resistant. We don't want to vote, but we vote on our knees, but we don't go to the ballot, ballot box to vote because we're from the kingdom of love. We we. We have God's love in our heart. We love one another. We love righteousness. We love peace. We love holiness. And we uh, care. We let the affairs of this world up to God. And that's why we can pray. There's, so there's a clear distinction between separation of church and state. Paul declares what country he's from. He says in Philippians 3 verse 20. For our citizenship is in heaven, from which we are eagerly, we also eagerly wait for the Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. <clears throat> so, we are ambassadors here. None of you ever thought about if an ambassador, an ambassador represents their home country. So, your home country is heaven. <clears throat> well, that's a little challenging. How many of you have been there? You know, most ambassadors, they live in the United States. They go to the ambassador to Israel or Egypt. And you know what? They lived in America for a while. You know, they, they thought like Americans think. And so they can represent America to another country. We are ambassadors of heaven. Like that? Yes, because of the new birth. But we've never been there. <laughs> uh, I still, you know, but we have the mind of Christ, okay? I'm not... not we're not out here in the dry here, okay? We have the matters. We have the Holy Spirit within us. It makes all the difference in the world. So we re represent the heavenly kingdom. That's what we're here. You, if, you, you, if you went over to Egypt and you represent the United States and you look like an Egyptian, they're going to say, you're not an ambassador. You've just acculturated into Egypt, right? And that's what easy, it's easy that has to happen. We're the heavenly kingdom. And you know what? It's easy to acculturate into the worldly kingdom. No wonder he said in Romans 14, 17, the kingdom of God is not meat and drink, righteousness and peace and joy in the Holy Ghost. Have you ever noticed when people get wrapped up in politics how they tend to lose their joy and peace in the Holy Ghost? Have you noticed that? It's pretty easy. I tell you, it's real easy. You know, politics are so interesting. Now, you women say, blah, you know, blah. But for me, and I, don't, I hope you're not, oh, I'm just acknowledging some of my weaknesses. And, uh, and you know, because it's so interesting, you know, they say things, and you, ah, oh, that's just right. And so you look up those things more and more. You know what? I understand now the algorithms now, they start just baiting you. You know, I know you're an anti-whatever. And, you know, and so they just feed you. And all of a sudden you think that's the truth. How, how you know, simple can you be? You know, and that's what happens. All of a sudden you get Christians that they're not citizens here at all. They're ambassadors in this world. They're, 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 they're talk, discussion, you know what? It's politics. 
Can you believe he said this and he said that? We're ambassadors. We're just passing through. This isn't even in the kingdom. These things aren't in the kingdom that we're relating to. They're out of bounds. They're out there. They're just trivial matters. And yet, you know, what's happening in the news? Do you know? You, you know, is it your high interest? Have we become acculturated? God would ask us. Are we becoming acculturated? He would ask us. So my allegiance. Well, we have some obligation to the government leaders. Pray, pay, and obey. Yeah. Didn't say look, judge, and complain. That's what happens to me. A lot of people get, uh, in fact, that's quite the opposite of pray, pay, and obey. It's summed up pretty well in 1 Timothy 2, verses 1 to 4. 1 Timothy 2, 1 to 4. I exhort first of all that supplications, prayers, intercessions, and the giving of thanks be made for all men, for kings and all who are in authority, that we may lead a quiet and peaceable life in all godliness and reverence. I hope that can be said at the Anabaptist Church today. I hope that can be. For this is good and acceptable in the sight of God, our Savior, who desires all men to be saved and come to the knowledge of the truth. So I, I am glad that we can vote many times over. They said, you know, they, they stacked the ballot box. People were voting twice. I hope you voted way more than twice in the last election. How many times do we pray that the Lord will rule and overrule elections? Many times over. So we can stuff the ballot box uh, with God, with God, not with man. So we pray, and we're paying our dues, and we're cheerfully submissive. Is that what the Anabaptist Church is known for? I hope so. I hope so. Because we start getting reactionary, and we start getting our own opinions, and we become acculturated to the mentality of the world. Let's be very careful. How is it coming? Well, there's also a social media craze. They say, I hear, there's is, and it can be. Second Timothy 2, verses 2 and 3. Thou therefore endure hardness as a good soldier of Jesus Christ. No man that warreth entangleth himself with the affairs of this life that he may please him who hath chosen him to be a soldier. And I'm glad we can be those kind that <clears throat> we're a hardened soldier. We're growing in Jesus Christ. And we're wanting to do what's right. And we are not going to be ensnared with the affairs of this life because we want to be pleasing to our champion Jesus, our Lord and the master of our life. Ephesians 5. If you don't mind, you can look that up, Ephesians 5, verses 11 to 17. Ephesians 5, verse 11 to 17 says, And have no fellowship with the unfruitful works of darkness, but rather reprove them. For it is a shame even to speak of those things which are done in secret. Really? Really? You can get it all the time. You can see it, you can see it anytime. It says, this is true. It is a shame even to speak of those things. You're supposed to reprove them, not keep up with them. For all things that are reproved are made manifest in the light. For whatsoever doth make manifest is light. 
Wherefore he saith, Awake thou that sleepeth, and arise from the dead, and Christ shall give thee light. See then that you walk circumspectly, not as fools, but as wise, redeeming the time, because the days are evil. Therefore be ye not unwise, but understanding what the will of the Lord is. There sure is a lot said in this passage. But it is says, the things that are going on in this world should not be attractive to the saint. That's very plain. That's very clear. And when those things become attractive, something is wrong in our allegiance to the Lord. Because it's even a shame to even, even want to keep up with those things. It's a shame what they're doing, and we don't even want to keep up with them. Well, uh, social media has a, a, a lot of attraction. But uh, it's full of the me mentality. I once time, one time saw a person wearing a T-shirt, and I wonder if social media addicts couldn't truthfully wear this. And on the back it had four words. They were this simple. It's all about me. Now, that's, that's a horrible thing for Christians to say. But what do you get on social media? Is it, what do they talk about? You, oh, my neighbors are doing such a nice job. <laughs> and, wow, I went down to that store and, and you know, I met some Christians and they were so friendly. No, what did I do last weekend? It's all about me, friends. It's the work of the devil. And the more our world gets revolved in me and me only, rather than Jesus and him only, we have become acculturated and worldly. Something to think about coming in there. Well, you understand that people, uh, whatever type of social media, they like to be liked. <clears throat> and you know, that's a, a good thing to follow Jesus. And be approved of Jesus. You know, I think we ought to think about how much does God, Jesus, like my lifestyle? How much does Jesus like my appetites? Do, do, I think Christians would care way more about that. Yes, in our text it talked about the pride of life. It's been stated, I've heard, that if you took the me... Out of social media, it would die quickly. I think that's true. Just think about it. Just think about it. And yet Christians, quotes, seem to get wrapped up in it pretty easily. Well, I am glad that our forefathers had the wisdom to say and to know that TV programming would draw a Christian down spiritually. It was very wise. Well, obviously, the devil didn't like that uh, much, that uh, stand. So he took bring in TV programming through your smartphone. Unless you blocked it, and you wise if you did. And now you get, I hear people getting TV, prog uh, TV program on the news. They do that on the news. And they get TV program on their sports clips. And they get, uh, they like videos 
There are lots, lots of videos. And uh, it isn't a video of your preacher preaching on Sunday morning the word of God. How many of you got excited about that? Well, see, God's people would. But it's a video of mm, shooting that nice buck or catching a nice fish or having a blast wherever that was or however that is in your mind. Hmm. And Jesus would say, they're ambassadors here? These people aren't earthly minded? I wonder what he would question. See, that's why I'm telling you, I'm challenged here. I'm challenged here. These, these allurements aren't just for you, they was for me also. Mm. I appreciate that we're more accountable on our social media, internet usage than we've ever been, and I'm glad for that. But I hear something that grieves the heart of God, and it grieves me too. And I've been there, so I'll acknowledge that. That most, most people, the number one thing they have to acknowledge is a lack of wise using of their time. I do know that, enter, uh, that entertainment is hard to say no to. The devil knows that you, most of you, like to be entertained. I do too. And the devil knows our weaknesses. And we like to be entertained. You know, I mean, like I said, you know, what do you like to see? So entertainment. And so next thing you know, these video clips and are these uh, uh, games, games. I understand people can spend hours at the end of the week on video games. And it isn't a, ver a, a, a phrase, and guess what verse it was from? It isn't that any Bible quizzes, okay? And you know what? The more they do this, guess what? Lukewarmness is creeping into their hearts. Lukewarmness is creeping in. Friends, we can't give in to Hollywood and the devil's tricks and stay spiritually fervent. It will not happen. So, you know, we're going to have to make intentional and courageous decisions in our lives. You know, I will not go there. And I've had to do that. I've been places I shouldn't be. I spent time I shouldn't have done. And I like news. And I like sports. And I like um, uh, I like shooting deer. I won't, you know. And uh, so I'm human. When a Christian sat there and wasted his time looking at these clips, I'd like to answer, no way they will. No way. They're going to stand up and say, look, when the kingdom of God, your brotherhood, and there's lost around us, there's things to be done, there's proclaiming truth, and there's Bible reading for my own spiritual growth needs to be done, and we can sit there and waste hours at the end of a week on things like this, Jesus would say, wake up! Where are we going? Have we become worldly? Maybe so. Maybe so. Well, I was at a place one time and the lady of the house was loved her smartphone. And one time the preacher that week preached on that you can be so addicted that the first thing you do when you get home is you pick up your smartphone. I mean, you're not picking up your Bible, you know, and looking what happened. And that woman went home after that sermon and did the very same thing. And you know what I heard her say? She said, I must be addicted. The preacher preached about it and I still did it. I hope you're not addicted. But it's easy to get addicted. I think it's high time we let God speak into our lives and say, hmm, 
What am I spending in my spare time? God knows how we use our our uh, internet and social media. He knows. And you know what? I'm get. I do know that uh, social media is WhatsApp. Social media is that part of it? Well, I know there's some good things happening on WhatsApp. Okay, uh, we just got onto that thing, uh, whatever it's called, uh, internet program, whatever, whatever it is, and uh, and there it can be a blessing. It, 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 I'm not. I'm not. Okay, I'm relevant enough to know things can be used for Jesus. Okay, I, I am relevant enough to know that, and I'm not throwing everything down the tube, which maybe would be best if we would. But look, I think God can say, "Look, if you're heavenly minded, you can do this in the right way." Amen. I think, but let me tell you, I think we better be very open to the truth that it's the devil's alarm and he's baiting you and me on a constant basis to waste your time or to look at things that you shouldn't be looking at. Mm-mm. One thing I noticed too that the devil does on, uh, on internet usage, he likes to put advertisements up. Uh, and you know, we don't always like to see the billboards along the road because they're not very becoming to holiness sometimes. And a whole lot of the advertisements on the internet are the same way. Except you go get them all the time. You don't have to go drive down. You don't have to go to Pennsylvania and look at five billboards. Guess what? You can look at five billboards in five, three minutes on your phone. And hopefully you despise them as much as godly people do. But one thing I have noticed, the devil knows that any advertisement is more interesting the more flesh it shows. Let's be honest. The more flesh it's shown, the more interesting it is. The more enticing it is for man's eyes. And so he does that. And so, I wonder what he's thinking. I wonder if in our holy walk, if our purity of our minds haven't been jeopardized by the bombardments of worldly advertisements. I wonder. I just wonder. Let's just remember that. If you are serious with God on your internet usage, I've heard people take an internet fast. And I think it's a healthy thing to think about. Uh, I've done this, and I think it's healthy. Where the only thing you do is what you before is critically important. I mean, crit, like your business, you need it for some people need it for business. I don't. I don't. But you need it for business, and that's okay. And you know, you might need to look up the weather every other day if you're a farmer or something. But and, and you'd stop there. Could you possibly even consider that? And God would ask, why not? Why not use this instrument as a tool and not a toy? Why not? You know, would you be willing to let God challenge you to an internet fast for a month? Then answer to him, why not? Why not? Maybe we have become addicted. I don't know. I'm not, I'm not, I'm not, I'm just, want us to think have we become addicted to worldliness to worldliness Mm -mm. so God says very plainly everything that we do should pass the test of finally brethren whatsoever things are true and internet's loaded with untruth so that might even exclude it from the beginning whatsoever things are honest whatsoever things are just Whatsoever things are pure, pure, 
And once everything's lovely, well, you have to look long and hard to find something lovely there. And once everything's at a good report, if there be any virtue and if there be any praise, think on these things. Friends, you'd be a happy Christian if you, we could do that, wouldn't you? You might have to turn off. You might have to start blocking. You might have to discipline your heart and your lifestyle and your practice a lot to get there. But God give you the grace to do it. God give us the grace to do it. We want to be overcomers. Well, there's another thing that sometimes I think the world throws at us. And that is the worldly music. Colossians 3.16 says that the word of God dwell in you richly in all wisdom, teaching and admonishing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing with grace in your hearts to the Lord. Singing was meant to edify the Christian's heart. That's what it is, and it does that. That's why Mel got up here and stopped singing and just kept leading because it was, he was worshiping, right, brother? Yeah, and I wish I could just beat my hands and stop and get the same thing. But I found that it takes a little talking. Um, you know, singing is made to edify. But ever for many, many years, the devil has long time ago known if he can give it a counterfeit. That you know what? He might ensnare a few. So he brought in country music, rock music, hip hop, and all the trashy worldly music there is today. Even gospel rock. Even gospel rock. Because he knows that, you know, the words can kind of soothe your heart. I mean, you know, we're country people, and so songs sometimes about country seem to have a soothing and uh, effect. That can be true. But you know what? When you start down that road, friends, you're down a pathway that's very dangerous. Because the three main themes of country music is what? Drinking, rebellion, and immorality. Why would a Christian ever like music? That's their main themes. That should be abhorring to a man of God. Well, most of the time, you listen to what you want to hear, especially when it comes to music. You listen. Now, if you're in a pickup truck and somebody turns on some junk, you can't always help it, but you can protest. You can protest. You can say, please. I mean, wouldn't a godly person say, I mean, you know, if you, no, I wouldn't go there. You know, why would you like junk, filth, rot? Why would you, no, Christians don't like that. Or have we become too acculturated? The scripture says very plainly, Proverbs 23, 7a, as a man thinking is in his heart, so is he. And so whenever you throw in a CD or plug in that MP3 player, however you get it. And now you, I remember 8-track tapes. That was modern 40 years ago. And then come cassettes and then, and then CDs. Now they're obsolete. I still love CDs. But anyhow, and now you put in this thing-a-ding and you have a 1,000 songs or how many, how many you want to put on it. What songs are on it? What songs are on it? God knows. God knows and he cares. And, you, and, and really, you downplay, you put on those things what your heart desires. And God, and, and God knows that there's a lot of good music out there we can listen, and it's so edifying. It's so wonderful. It builds us up. But he also knows there's, 
that, that it, there's a beat that drives a lot of people. You notice that? Rock music is loaded with beat. It's beat because so many, so many people just love that driving beastly beat. And friends, you can put that beat to gospel music and you don't sanctify it. It still feeds the inner carnal evil person that God says needs to be crucified. God's standard for music and all of life is be ye holy for I am holy. And if God would look at, at our, our music, would he say it's holy music? And he said, you know, I tell you, there's a way of living that's that way. And this is 1 Peter 1, verses 13 to 15. Therefore, gird up the loins of your mind. Be sober and hope to the end of the grace that is brought unto you at the revelation of Jesus Christ. As obedient children, not fashioning yourselves according to the former lust in your ignorance. For he which has called you is holy, so be holy in all manner of conversation. So God would ask us this morning, is my appetite in music holy? Truly edifying. It's very important that it is. I tell you, there's many a person that started down the, the wrong road and it, and it, and it was accelerated and deepened because of the wrong music. And I tell you, we're not, any of us is above that. Be very careful. God never said and never implied that you can listen to bad music and stay holy. It will not happen. You know, so praise God, there's deliverance over evil music. And there's going to be a strange group of people in this world. And each one of us can be part of the faithful ones, where it says in Hebrews 11, 13 to 16, these all died in faith, having received the promises, and having seen them afar off, were assured of them, embraced them, and confessed them that they were strangers and pilgrims on the earth. And those who say such things plainly declare they seek a homeland. And truly, if they had called to mind that country from which they had come out, they would have had opportunity to learn to return, but now they desire a better country that is a heavenly country. Wherefore, God is not ashamed to call them their God, for he has prepared for them a city. That is a heartwarming passage for the saint. He said, I, you, they seek a country. They're ambassadors in this world, and, and they embrace. They embrace the principles of the heavenly country. They love them. They, they, they have allegiance to them. And you know what it brings out? They, it more than brings out a heart difference. It also brings out a confession. But it is in their heart that they are what? Strangers and pilgrims. Strangers and pilgrims. These people aren't different because they want to be weird. They're different because of their loyalty to Jesus. Always remember that. People that are loyal to Jesus aren't striving to be weird. They're strange because they have a different king. They have a different loyalty. Also, 1 Peter 2, verse 11, says, Dearly beloved, I, speak, I beseech you as strangers and pilgrims. Hmm. Abstain from fleshly lust which war against the soul. 
Abstain against those enculturating things that war against your spiritual life, to translate it into modern English. And it's very important. Yes, one of the main deterrents to being acculturated is separated unto God. I am separated in God. And I'm not going to give in to the fleshly lust and enticements. But we all have desires. And we all have loves. And we got to love the Lord with all of our heart. And I think we need to maybe, I know I do, a new disdain for the world. A new hatred for the world. Or do I want to fit in? Do I want to fit in? You know, there's going to be a unique band of believers. And God is with them. And they don't care about fitting into the world in any degree. Not any. You know, they, don't, they don't want to be acculturated in any way, shape, or form, whether it's worldly, the way the world looks at business, to make money. They're not going to do that. They're not going to have the, the drive for money. It's not there. Of course, they want to provide for them, but they don't not want to drive money. They don't want to be uh, fit in in their speech. They don't want to fit in on the way they use their social media. They don't want to fit in as far as what the worldly music is. They're a strange band. They're the ones that are heaven-bound saints, friends. They're heaven-bound saints. And each one of us here that's a Christian should love that thought. I'm a heaven-bound saint. I'm looking to Jesus. I don't want to fit into this world. But where's that mentality went? Friends, I think we ought to proclaim it. I am not wanting to fit into this world. Forget it. I don't need to be cold. I don't need to wear name brand clothes. Hmm? Now, I talk to somebody, ah, oh, this shirt is blah, 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 and I forget what name it was. Never even heard of it before. I don't care. Then I want to be ignorant. And it was a cool shirt. Hmm. Name brand pants. That's what the world does, friends. That's what the world does. It's all about me, see. Is that ringing of Jesus? I got on these cool pants, cool shirt. Hmm. Hmm. I wonder if Jesus doesn't have more concern than we ever thought about. See what I'm saying? I tell you, this stuff gets close home sometimes. The fads of the world. The fads of the world fit in. No wonder Luke 16, 15 says, And he said unto them, Ye that which justify yourself before men, but God knoweth our hearts, for that which is highly esteemed among me in the world is an abomination in the sight of God. I wonder if we read that verse every week for a month and thought about it, if it wouldn't affect us a little bit. Wouldn't me. So whatever the world is saying is cool and fits in and is neat, God hates God abhors that. And yet it's so easy for me to dabble in. There is much freedom and much liberty in following Jesus and saying, Lord, whatever you want, I'm going to do. And not even have your eyes open at all to what's going on around you. There's much freedom in that life. Because when we start wondering about, ah, do I fit in? Am I cool in the sight of other people? You know what? There's a lot of bondage in that. There's a lot of bondage in that. And you know what? That even goes for 
Christian fads. Christian fads, I'll call them. Yeah, a lot of people uh, worry about those things. <clears throat> Some more scripture. <clears throat> First Timothy 2, 8 and 9. I will therefore that men will pray everywhere, lifting up holy hands without wrath and doubting. In like manner also, the women adorn themselves in modest apparel, with shamefacedness and sobriety, with broided hair, not with broided hair or gold or pearls or costly array, but which becometh professing godliness with good works. So the women, modest, supposed to be modest. I think God, I think our forefathers did a very good and wise thing when they expect a modest cape dress. But I want to add this things for us to, just to think about. There could be an immodest cape dress when it's too tight. Or, and or, there could be a modest cape dress with a tight sweater on top that is immodest also. Just think about those things. But also, about that possibility, also, I don't think modesty just stops with the women. I wouldn't think so. But how about these tight pants now that the world wants us to wear? I've noticed that too. I, you know, went there and bought a pair of pants, and well, they were tight. Now I'm not the most filled out man, uh, but uh, I think the devil was pleased when men wore tight pants or tight shirts or form-fitting. I'd say he would, he would say, "What are we thinking? Are we being careful about radiating of the presence of Jesus and not ourselves?" First Peter three three. Four and five says, but adorning let that not be the outward adorning of the plaiting of hair, or wearing of gold, or putting on of apparel, but it be the hidden man of the heart in which is not corruptible, even the ornament of a meek and quiet spirit, which is the sight of God at great price. For after this manner, in the old time, the holy women also trusted God, adorned themselves, being in subjection to their own husbands. And I could talk for about 20 minutes here, but I'll stop at for a little bit. It does bring up twice. In first Peter, I mean first Timothy two nine, braided hair, and it talks about braiding of hair. And I think we understand that, you know, there is a way to braid hair that is fine. But it's talking about hair that's ornamentations and uh, and has extra in the draw attention. And I wonder what God thinks about the decorative uh, or extra broiding of hair that sometimes is coming into the Anabaptist church. See, these things do are relevant, amazingly relevant sometimes. So we need to think about these things. Am I willing to be a stranger and pilgrim? Am, uh, <clears throat> you know, we expect our wives to be separate. They wear the modest cape dress and they wear their covering. And we're glad for that. You ought to be proud of that. In other words, if you're going to be proud, be proud of something good. I'm, I'm, I am, I am, uh, I really deeply appreciate that our sisters are willing to be separate, but I wonder about us men. And, uh, and it's a challenge because if you buy clothes off the shelf, which we do nowadays, it's kind of, you got to be pretty, pretty uh, selective what you get. Because you can, and God be the judge and not man, but you can get stuff to look cool and fit in or, draw attention, or you can get things that do not draw attention. They're loose, and they glorify God. And I think us men need to, to uh, 
really take it seriously to be willing to be separate in our attire at all times. Well, saints always love to worship, and they love to do it in sincerity and truth. They come to worship with a reverent heart for God. We're not here to worship any man, and there's no man that deserves your reverence and respect like God and Jesus does. And in Numbers 15, it brought out a principle that I think is uh, maybe lost nowadays, but it's worth thinking about. And it says, where Numbers 15, 38 to 40 says, Speaking to the children of Israel, and bid them that they make fringes in the borders of their garments throughout the generations, and that they may put the fringe of the borders of a, a ribbon of blue. And it shall be to you a fringe that ye may look upon it and remember all the commandments of the Lord and do them. And that ye seek not after your own heart and your own eyes, uh, after which ye used to go a whoring, and that ye may remember and do all my commandments and be holy unto the God. And uh, that principle was what you wear reflects your heart. What you wear reflects your heart. When I go to a volleyball game, I dress for a volleyball game. I don't dress like I'm going to church. When I'm going to the barn, I dress to go to the barn. And you know what? When you come to church, you go dressed to come to church. It reflects your heart. It does. It's plain it does. But he said as it, it, it shows on the inside. He said, look, you look upon that, and you know what you see? You remember. In case you forgot, if you remember, it must have been that you can't forget, I'm a child of God's. You know, I love his word. I'm going to obey it. You know, do you need to remember that? Yes, sometimes we do need to remember that. I'll acknowledge I do. I need to remember that. And I'm going to do everything he says. It's a good reminder. It reminds you. And by the way, it's going to remind the world. That you're different because then you're a holy person. You know what? If a person decided, you know what? I don't have to do that. I think God would say, you left the ranks of the obedient and the holy. You've left the ranks. That was all implied. But you know what? He said, look, you can be in the ranks. You can do that. I, I firmly believe that the plain suit is a good application that helps us remember. Why would we be ashamed? Now, I know what some people do with a plain suit on is a shame. I do know that. But that doesn't mean that we should, th what people do in church is a shame too. We don't stop coming to church. I think being a distinct pilgrim in this world is good. Every last one of us this morning looked in our closets and decided what to wear. And I, I praise God. There, there, uh, I believe that we go to a formal occasion. God would expect us to wear formal attire. And I think he's pleased with that. He said that, and I think it makes sense. I think people to wear a dress shirt. And, and, there's, and uh, I also think when it's cold, I don't wear a plain suit in the summer too much. But I have found out something. I know something that kind of struck me. Because I think God wants our religion to be practical and to be applicable. People of this world go to 
funerals and weddings with suits and ties. And we got to go there with no mark of identity. No mark. God would say, why not? I don't care if it's 90 outside. I think if you want a formal reverence, a service like that, that they expect formal attire, that we should not be ashamed of our formal attire. I also think when it's cool in the winter, the first coat, if you're going to church, should be your plain coat. If you want to put an overcoat on top of it, God bless you. But woe unto the person that sits there and has a plain coat on and says, whoa, no, I don't want to do that. I'll wear my jacket. I wonder what God thinks. Maybe we have become acculturated. Maybe just we have become acculturated. God knows the heart. And he says, you know what? There's going to be a separate group of people. They're separated to me. They're, they're thinking separate. Their heart is separate. You know, they don't mind stigmas from the world. They don't mind that. Because every Christian is going to have that because they're following another master. It really gets close to home when we read James 4 as if it was relevant for today. Verses 4 to 8. The adulterers and adulteresses. Now this is spiritually, not physically, okay? Know you not. He's going to tell you how it can happen. How can we be spiritually adulterous and adulteresses? Know you not that the friendship of the world is enmity with God? Whosoever therefore is a friend of the world is the enemy of God. And I tell you, I wish it wasn't so plain. It is. This is drop dead plain. That means that any time I cozy up in my mind, and I'll tell you, brethren, I'll confess right up, I've had, I've done this. I, I, I have need to let God sanctify my heart numerous times on this area. And you cozy up to a worldly thing, and it might not have been, in quotes, bad in its own, but it was leading you away from Jesus. It was leading you away from that separated lifestyle. Separated mentality. He says, he, whosoever has got that type of mentality, I tell you, he says it very plainly, you're the enemy of God. Now that's earth shaking to me. Any Christian that want to even come close, if we're really truly born again, we would not even want to come close to letting God think, you're my enemy on the outside. That, uh, that shakes me to think that I could do that, but I can't. Do you think that the scripture saith in vain, the spirit that dwelleth in us lusteth to envy, but he gives more grace, wherefore he saith, God resists the proud, but giveth grace unto the humble. Submit yourselves therefore to God. Resist the devil and, his wor and the world, okay? Because this is all in the context. And the, he'll flee from you. And may I say the worldly enticements won't be near so appealing. You know, when I, the more I dabble in Things about me, things I like, and fitting in, the more appealing worldliness things are. I've noticed that myself. He said, now resist the devil, and he'll flee from you. How? Draw nigh to God, and he'll draw nigh to you. Cleanse your hands, you sinners. Purify your hearts, you double-minded. Selah. Selah. I wonder if the American Anabaptists 
we get this message. I think the spiritual strength among us in our hearts would escalate dramatically. I really do. God knew that you're in a battle. And he says, I got grace for you, humble ones. You're looking to me. You know you can't win this on your own. You don't need 32,000. God just wants your heart. He wants our allegiance solely to him. And he says, look, you can win this battle with me. You can win it. And I tell you, you're going to have to fight valiantly. It's going to take all your effort because it's contrary to every worldly mentality around you and even some of them that are creeping into the church. You might even look odd to some of your peers. But you say, look, your allegiance is to me. And I'll tell you, those brackets are going to have my blessing. I'm going to walk with them. I'm going to shine through them to be ambassadors. Shall we stand for closing prayer? Our gracious Heavenly Father, we thank you for your love for us, to us. And Lord, I thank you that you have all the answers to our problems. And Lord, it seems like sometimes the enemy comes in like a flood and we get so bombarded that we just feel like we're snowed under and that we cannot see clearly. And Lord, maybe that is true sometimes. But Lord, I thank you that you're still there. You still speak to our hearts. Lord, bless each one here this morning. May your grace be with them. May you give each of us, us the courage to stand up for you and be faithful to you. Be with us today. Lord, we want to be ambassadors for you. And Lord, we want to see it from your perspective. So help us to follow you and give us that peace and comfort that comes from being your children. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. We can have a verse.